Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Good morning. Good morning. Still got half an hour left of the morning. It's a true statement. It's always an honour and always a privilege to, to speak in front of you guys and to speak with you, whether it's in public or whether it's one-on-one. I think I've um, been here about a year and a half now, maybe a bit over a year and a half, and I just want to tell you and affirm the truth of how amazing you all are, what amazing gifts you have inside of each of you, what potential you all have, what character you've shown and maturity. And I recognise I know some of you more than others, but I just want to say I'm very, very impressed by what a bunch of people you all are and how well you love Jesus. You know, one thing that um, I was listening to a podcast from uh, Bill Johnson recently, and he was being interviewed and they're basically asking him, how do you do it? How have you done it? Like, how have you taken this, organized, this, this church, global, how have you succeeded in all that you've done? And he said, oh, it's simple, really. He said, we've never sought to build a big church, but we've sought to build big people. And it's exactly what Jesus did when he saw those fishermen. He's like, these are fishermen, but I see something inside of these guys. Now, they may not be manifesting it or living out yet, but there's something in these guys that's going to take this gospel, it's going to take my word to the ends of the earth. These guys are the ones that are going to raise the dead, heal sick, cast out demons, and take my gospel to the ends of the earth. And they're going to make disciples to make disciples to make disciples to make disciples, but they started off as fishermen. And that's exactly the way that God sees you and I here today. You know, this isn't just you learning from me, but it's me learning from you, it's us learning together, right? Can we agree with that? Because we've all got something to learn, and that's the, that's the beauty of the body of Christ. And I'm excited for, for where we're going. I'm excited for the gold that God, gold is, God is pouring out of people and pulling out of people that you don't even realize you've got right now. You don't even realize you've got inside of you, but God sees it, and he's like, yes, I'm going to pour some water over that, and that's just going to blossom and grow. Because I see revivalists in these guys. So he, see, he looks at, you think about the whole Paul-Saul scenario. He saw Saul, and saw that's the guy I'm going to use. There's something in here I'm going to use, and he's going to take my message to the ends of the earth. And that's the perspective we must have, not just within ourselves, but with the people outside of this church. Sing the gold within them, as Jesus did. Amen? Amen. So we're going to be carrying on Galatians this week. Amy started it wonderfully last week, talking with Galatians 1 and 2. And Amy gave us a bit of a theological background into Galatians, who they are, what they are, why they do what they do. And we recognize straight away that Paul comes in pretty hard. Okay, so you may recognize in his other letters, you've got Corinthians, Romans, Philippians. He comes in a bit more quietly. He comes in a bit more, you know, nicely. Whereas Galatians, he's coming in pretty hard and he's coming in pretty firm. Okay, he's not messing around. And we're going to find out why. So the Galatians are a mixture of people. There's a mixture of Jews and Gentiles alike. Okay, and what the Jews were trying to do with the Gentiles, these new believers, was trying to revert them back to an old pattern of thinking. It's Old Testament, Old Covenant, and Old Law. And that Old Testament is what the Jews still follow to this day, is what Moses brought with the laws. Okay? So Paul is coming in hard because some of these guys in Galatians would have been there at Pentecost. They would have received the Holy the Spirit of Baptism. So we're going to unpack a little bit about that later. But equally, he's coming in hard because he knows it's a big deal and he needs to address it quickly and soon before things get out of hand. Because we know, especially in modern-day Christianity, we can easily slip under religion, even if we're spirit-filled, even if we're charismatic. There's still traits that we can fall under religious activity. Do we know that? 
Yes, good. So he's coming under, and he's coming and hitting this head on and basically talking about how we cannot fall under this religion again. Because what the, 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 the most important thing is, is if they do succumb and come under this activity of the Old Testament, they're devaluing everything that Jesus did on the cross. Because on that cross, Jesus fulfilled the law. He says, I'm here to fulfill the law. He fulfilled that old covenant. Therefore, it's taking away every value, every worth that Jesus did on the cross. So Paul is coming in head on and for that reason alone because he knows that it's none of our works. And we know that our works are pretty useless, right? In terms of getting our salvation, our works are pretty useless in trying to get ourselves to heaven because we know it's not by works, but it's by grace. And it's the grace that we are saved. Therefore, he's coming in hard and he's coming in firm because he knows that if that pattern of thinking is taken back, it takes away the value of the cross. So this is why he's coming in hard and he's coming in quickly. So let's read from Galatians 3, verse 11. So I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. <coughs> For the scriptures reveal, <coughs> sorry, it is obvious that no one achieves the righteousness of God by attempting to keep the law. For it is written, those who have been made holy with me will live by faith. But keeping the law does not require faith, but self-effort. Again, that's highlighting trying to earn your own salvation. For the law teaches, if you practice the principles of the law, you must follow them. Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. And now that curse is actually a curse. It's in Deuteronomy. But Jesus set us free from that curse. But if you try and operate under it, you'll still be affected by it. And he absorbed it completely as he became a curse for us in our place. So what Paul is doing, he's trying to take and eradicate every religious activity from this group of people. And as I said, you and I, need to keep our hearts in check, our motives in check, of whether we are operating out of religion or not. And what does that look like? You've got the, the parable of the woman who gave, well, no, it wasn't a parable, it was a story, who gave all that she had. She gave, what, say, 10p. And you've got the guy that gave 100 pound. He says, she's the one that gave most. Okay? Motive of the heart. You've got the people that, so you can, you can have giving, you can have your prayers. Are your prayers sounding mightier in front of other people? Is you're giving mightier in front of other people? Are you coming to church for the wrong reasons? And these motives are not wrong. We want to encourage these motives, right? Because we know that righteousness is, is for our benefit. Now, God calls us to live a holy life because it's for our benefit and for his benefit. Okay? Is that making sense? But we need to understand and keep our hearts in check because it's not the action that's the problem, it's the heart that is the problem. And you and I need to keep our hearts in check to make sure that we are not either operating out of religion, that we're not doing anything out of systematic rules or regulations because we're no longer under that kind of thinking and whether it's our giving whether it's our praying whether it's my preaching whether it's our living whether it's anything if our heart is wrong we're coming under that same thinking you've got the whole situation of the older brother you know you've got the Luke 15 the prodigal son we usually put a lot of attention on that the brother who goes and spends and uses all his dad's inheritance right he goes off and spends it on whoever it may be and he comes back. And then you've got this snippet at the end of the older brother. Okay? And Jesus, in this story, he's not talking to the down and outs. He's not talking to the ones that, you know, um, you know, the Mary Magdalene's. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the ones that he actually called out time and time again of their religious behavior. He called out once time, don't pray like these Pharisees that, Pharisees that pray for you to hear things. Don't fast like they fast where they make themselves look gaunt and so you can all tell they're fasting. So he's, in this Luke 15, he's talking to these guys of religious behavior. Because they clean the outside of the cup, but not, inside, not the inside of the cup. Yeah, we know this. This is what he's talking about, what he's highlighting about. So religion is not just something, it's something that we need to be wary of in, within us. So we've got the prodigal son who's come home. 
and his brother is angry. His brother, if the servant comes out to him and then the party's going on, he says, hey, and, he, and he has all these issues saved up that he's justified in why he's feeling angry. Well, I've been here the whole time. I never left. I've been working solidly. I've been doing everything he's asked me. I've been, I've been here the whole time. And who is these, who's these people representing? It's self-righteousness. I've been earning my way. I've been doing all these good things. And it's the self-righteousness that Jesus was addressing with the Pharisees, and he, they knew it. They knew he was talking directly to them. And you know, these, these brothers, they, they both were so close to something, yet incredibly far. And really, the only limitation from stopping them both from entering into the Father's house was their own thinking and their own lack of knowledge of who the Father was. They were so close, but yet so far. We've got the whole Mary-Martha situation. Amy pointed out last week. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the, the better thing. And what's Mary doing? Mary's just sitting at his feet. She's listening. She's receiving. Sitting at his feet. The brothers, what was their motive? What was their motive? Were they, were they there for the Father to get what he had? I want the miracles. I want the signs and wonders. I want the prophetic. I want all this stuff. But were they ever there just to be with the Father? Were they ever there just to sit in his company? Were they ever there just to be in this dwelling place? And the same for you and I. Is our, is our relationship with God based off what he has? Is our time with God going to him based off what he can give us? And understand this. This isn't, this isn't to bring any condemnation because we know the Father loves to lavish his gifts upon us, doesn't he? He loves to help his children. He loves to assist us in any way, shape, or form. But sometimes we need to check the motive of our hearts. Have we, have we ever just gone to God and said, actually, Lord, I'm just here to say thank you. I'm here to say thank you for today, that I'm here today, that I'm, you, I've had food. Actually, God, I'm, I'm here today. I just want to sit with you. I, I don't really want to. I just want to sit. I just want to sit and be around you. And I, for so many of us, we can identify these brothers that are only with the Father for what he's got and not for who he is. You know, religion creates this gap between us and says, if you do all this, you do all this, you do all this, then this will happen. You know, that if you, if you behave a certain way, if you do a certain thing, then this will happen. When actually, says, when actually Jesus says, look, the kingdom is at hand, there is no gap. I've defeated the gap. There is no gap between you and I anymore. Romans 8.14 says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Not all who are led by the law, not all who are led by man's opinions, not all who are led by the Pope's opinions of doing things, but all who are led by the Spirit. When was the last time you were led by the Spirit in a way of your life? When was the last time I was led by the Spirit in a way of life? I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What do I do in this situation? Is that making sense? And the ones that are led by the Spirit are the children of God. See, God is only ever after a relationship. He didn't put Adam and Eve on this earth and give them a full regulations of do's and don'ts. He put Adam and Eve on this earth with boundaries, but for relationship and relationship alone. You know, and Paul talks later in Galatians that the law was only ever made for a temporary thing. It was made as a temporary thing until the Messiah came. So it was, we've got to understand that God's, you know, the, the world has this perspective of the Father, that he's, that he's interested in the rules. He's interested in the do's and the don'ts. And if you don't, you, you upset him. And we've got to understand as a church and as a people that God didn't create mankind for rules and regulations. He created us for, for relationship, for intimacy. But obviously there was boundaries. 
another pattern that we, we see in Galatians is this, first off, is not, it's, it's the, you, you don't do things for works, right? You, don't, you can't earn your salvation, you can't work your way into salvation. So it's, it's, it's underlining grace and it's underlining faith. So where faith comes into it now is that, okay, if Jesus has finished all the work, if he's created a way into the holy of holies, if he's created a way for you and nothing to be in the way or religion to be null and void, okay, so that's grace, right? How do we apply it to our lives? It's faith. Galatians 3 verse 2 says this, do you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? No, by belief. Do you and I in this place, in this church today, or in our, on our secret place, do we receive the Holy Spirit by thinking, oh, because I've fasted all day, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Because I, you know, I didn't have whatever for breakfast, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Or I, I prayed a certain way, or I said a certain prayer, I read my Bible for two hours, therefore the Holy Spirit's going to come. And again, hear me, it's not, those motives aren't wrong. We want to encourage things like that, but it's the heart behind it that we need to be careful of. It's the heart behind why we're doing things, because we know the Holy Spirit only manifests his presence by faith. It's nothing that you and I have ever done or could ever do. And if we're truly wanting a move of God in this, in this church, in this nation, in this town, the key ingredient and to unlocking that is faith. You know, I heard one man say, hope says please, faith says thank you. And it's allowing our vocabulary to align with, with faith. <clears throat> so the repeating pattern in Galatians here, we've seen that grace, that we cannot do anything to earn our salvation. But the way that we receive our salvation is by faith. The way we receive all the things that God has for us is by faith. We're going to chat back a little bit. And so we've got in verse 3, verse 5, sorry. Chapter 3, verse 5. says this. Let me ask you again, what does the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life and the miracles of God's tremendous power have to do with you keeping the Jewish law? The Holy Spirit is poured out upon us through the revelation and power of faith, not by keeping the law. So again, I reaffirm that. Everything we do, it's all grace anyway. Everything we want, we could, the Holy Spirit only manifests his presence with us with a key ingredient, and that is our faith. You know, I was in a, a conference probably three or four years ago now in Nottingham. And um, there's a few thousand people there. And I, I, love, I do love conferences, don't get me wrong, but I, my, my heart is, is very much, I want to cultivate in the secret place first. You know, I don't want to have to rely on somebody else's anointing to get my relationship with God, right? I want to hear God for myself, and I've, I've tended to do that, but conferences are brilliant. We, we love them, we learn from them, we, we, we should support them and go from there. But for me, I've always had a, you know, I want, I want to get it myself first. I, there is no uh, mediator anymore. Christ is the high priest, right? So therefore, we have every access, as I'm talking about, we have every access to Jesus himself. Therefore, I, I wanted to cultivate that myself, okay? Does that, that make sense? So there's nothing to dig conferences, but that's what I want to speak. So... And it, uh, it was in worship. It was probably the fourth or fifth day. And if you've been to conferences, it, you, you usually go from nine o'clock to like five, ten o'clock at night. And it got to about nine o'clock and we were having the last set of worship and I was a little bit tired. And, you know, the majority of the room had their hands raised, their, their voices loud. And again, these are, these are encouragement things. We, we encourage praise and worship, right? You know, we do encourage that because it's biblical. We're called and our voice carries power. Our actions carry power. And we're called to manifest these things in life because that's what praise and worship is. Okay, but at this point in my life, I was ready to, I was a bit tired, and I just wanted to sit down. And part of me didn't want to sit down, because I felt like I should be like everybody else. Part of me didn't want to sit down, I was like, but I'm the old one out. You know, there's thousands of people around me, and here I'm just sitting down, and I feel like everyone's going to think I'm, I'm lazy, or I'm not a good Christian. 
You know, I can't sit down. And these things were battling inside of me because I was going against the status quo of, of the conference. But something in me needed was being drawn to sit down. And for me as well, the Bible tells us, yes, praise and worship manifest physically, but he also tells us to worship in spirit and in truth. And for me, this is my journey, you may be further along, but I, I struggle to worship in spirit whilst I'm physically looking, being aware of my body. So for any, I have to still myself, take deep breaths, and just if I want to worship in spirit, I, I have to change my posture a little bit. So that's what I decided to do. So I sit down, and I kind of take over my flesh and say, just shut up, flesh. Just, we're worshipping just in a different way. So I sit down for about a good 45 minutes, and I take some deep breaths, and I sit down, and I close my eyes. And the repeating pattern of what I say is, by faith I enter in. By faith I receive the Holy Spirit. By faith I worship in spirit and in truth. And for about 45 minutes, I've got my eyes closed. I'm taking deep breaths. I'm, and, I'm, and little by little, I'm, I feel like I'm leaving the room. I'm just, I'm just complete. I'm getting more, less, less aware of the room itself, and I'm just saying, by faith, I just engage the presence of God. I engage the, the spiritual, the kingdom of God, whatever it may be. I was just speaking this by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. I just received this, and as time went on, I started just to lose it a little bit. And I was just, like I said, I, I was, I was sitting down on my chair, which was probably a good thing. And there's just the overwhelming presence of God just kept coming and kept coming, and He started showing me things. And he actually showed me something that was that he he showed me someone and something to happen a few days later. I didn't know what it meant at the time, but I met someone two days later, and it was a prophecy for that person. But it was just an overwhelming, overwhelming wave of the presence of God. I just stilled myself, and by faith received His presence. And then before I know it, there was ministry going on, and I had to start to you know come back to to earth a little bit. And ministry's going on, and this guy in front of me has got his hands up. If you know what ministry, this guy was receiving ministry. If we don't know what that is, he was putting his hand up to receive because he had um, some healing he wanted. So the whole room, thousands of people are, are, are ministering to each other. And I go up to him, just a little bit out of it. I'm still just coming, like I said, just coming back to earth of just this, this, what I was experiencing and seeing and feeling. And um, I say to the guy, what, what are we praying for? And he said, oh, my sight, I've got impartial vision. And I say, okay. So I put my hands on his, I just put my hands ever so gently on his eyes. And I say, be healed in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. And Yeshua HaMashiach is Jesus the Messiah in Hebrew. I don't know why I said that, but I just said that. And then we just pray, and the other guy prays for him, and then that, and that, and that's it. And then all of a sudden, this guy just, he, he stands and looks at me. The other guy's gone, he's standing and looking at me. And he won't stop looking at me. And he, go, he almost puts his hands on his hips, and he, he just looks at me. And he just looks at me for about two minutes. And this is where I start really coming back to reality because this is really awkward. He's really just looking at me. And I'm like, he's not saying anything, but he's looking at me interestingly. I'm like, have I upset him? Have I done something? Is something wrong? Because he's just really staring at me intently. I'm a little bit uncomfortable. And he just walks off. Literally, he stares at me for a good two to three minutes and just walks off. Doesn't say a single word. Walks off, goes around the conference. I'm just kind of like, well, I don't know what happened there, but I just hope he's okay. And then he comes back and he comes and finds me because I've moved away now. But he comes and finds me and he's just in tears. This man is in tears. And he says, I can see. I can see. I can see for the first time I can see. And for me, I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of healings in my life. Like I've, seen, I've seen a few. I've been to Mozambique. I've seen Heidi Baker do them. I've, I've seen a few in Jordan. I've seen things in my life in, in England, but never not, not a lot. So for this, I was like, come on, like, this is a huge testament because this guy's reaction was authentic. Do you know what I mean? And the fact that he was making me incredibly awkward by staring at me the whole time, he was just checking out his vision. 
He was like seeing his vision can work for the first time in however long. And I just think about the, 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 the faith that I was engaging, how much that affected what, what happened to this guy's sight. And you know, for me, with healing, like, I've, been, I've been praying for healing for myself for about 15, 16 years. So I've got alopecia. I lost my hair when I was about 11 years old. But since I've been coming to Fleet, it's started to grow back again. And it doesn't change my aspect of how I see God because I know God is good. And I'm quite comfortable as I am. It's not as if I'm, you know, but if he, if I, I will receive healing because it's his kingdom. In heaven, there is hair, I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure we will find that out. So I'm like, okay, God, it's your, if it's your kingdom, I want it. If it's your kingdom, I want it. But what about if our lives, if we want to access all that we've got to access, and he's already done it, if he's already completed it, if he's already done the law, if he's already given you the authority to raise the dead, cast out demons, blah, 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 all it takes is the faith to you, for you to believe that you can do it. And we, we also want to encourage the process, okay? So sometimes things aren't instantaneous, but sometimes it's just a matter of mindset. The older brother, he just, his mindset was off. He could have walked in and gone out of that house freely. He probably asked for the God for a party and he would give him a party. But what's the thing that limits us? It's the mindset. You know, Psalm 19 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you, my Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's the heart that he's interested in. It's the heart that isn't going to manifest the religion if we're under it. And that's the thing he's interested in more than anything, anything in our lives and our heart and the most is behind it. Let's read from Galatians 4. And I haven't actually tapped into Galatians 4 too much, but the next person can do that. Galatians 4. And so that we would know for sure that we are his true children. God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you're our true father. And in other translations, it's Abba, father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, listen to this bit, and because we're his, we can access everything our father has. And because of nothing you've done, but because you are his, you can access all that your father has. For we are heirs of God through Jesus, the Messiah. I'm going to read that one more time. Because we are his, because you are his, I'm going to declare this over to you. Because you are his, you have access to everything the Father has. Not by anything you've done, not by anything you're going to do, but because his blood, because his death on a cross, because he created the doorway, he created the gateway. Jesus says, I am the gate. It's only through him. It's only by what he's done and nothing that we've done. So for us, what if it's just about a change of mentality? What if it's about a change of shifting how we see things, how we pray for things? Hope says, please. Faith says, thank you. And not giving up. There's a story of a man who um, I was reading recently. He wrote a book called Placebo. And he died. He died. He was, he was ill and died from his illness. And in, 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 in when he died, he goes to heaven and he has an encounter with God. Radical encounter with God. And he has visions of heaven and all this, all this stuff that you've, you know, we've heard in lots of other books. And in the encounter... God basically says, I'm healing you. I will heal you. And then as the last thing he says to this guy, the last thing God says to this guy is, may it be done unto you in accordance of your faith. And the guy comes back. He comes back to earth. He's in the hospital and he's not healed. But what does he do? Every day he says, I'm healed because God has said it. And he speaks it and he speaks it and he speaks it and he becomes healed. 
He does not die. He gets the illness completely gone. And for you and I, what does it look like in our private lives, in our, in our church life? Are we, if we're truly believing for a move of God in this place, have we got the faith for it? Have we got the hope for it? Have we got the hope that God is wanting to speak to you? The key is right here for me as well, because it's, it's all head knowledge right now, and I'm, I'm getting to a place now, I want to be honest with you, that it's the, the, one of the key ingredients is actually understanding that God wants to be with you. God wants to speak to you. God wants to encounter you. God wants to equip you. God wants to present himself in your midst on a daily basis. But we think, oh, because it, happened, because it hasn't happened, he must not want it. Wrong. The whole story of the Bible is God's pursuit of man. And we muck it up time and time and time again. From Genesis to Revelation. But he says, I still love you. If you turn from your ways and repent, I'll take you back. Even though you've done all this stuff. You've done all this stuff. You've done all this stuff. I still love you. I still love you. And even to the point of Jesus' death on a cross, which is the ultimate act of grace, right? Undeserved love. I still love you. And yet, 2,000 years on, we're still mucking up. He says, I still love you. I still love you. I'll still give you another chance. I still see something great inside of you that I want to, I want to pour oil over and see grow and flourish. I don't want us to operate under religion anymore. I don't want us to operate under doing things for people's sight. I want us to operate under what God is wanting us to do, what God is doing, not what man is doing. And in order for us to achieve our dreams on this earth, in order for me to achieve the healing that I want in my life, that key ingredient is faith. So Father, thank you that you're going to heal us in this room today. Thank you, Father, that you want to be with us in this room today. Thank you that you have a hope and a future for each and every one of us. And Holy Spirit, right now, I thank you for your activity in this room. And I speak to every brain in the name of Jesus. I speak to every mind and every heart. And I speak against every limitation that's stopping us from getting the full access to the Father. Why don't we stand?